ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And once again, before we get into this week's exciting topic and conversation, just a reminder that Father and I uh, um, uh, welcome your feedback, uh, your ideas for uh, topics for future episodes of Ignition. So please send them along to me um, when and if you are so inclined. You can email me at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Hey, Father, how are you doing? Better than my sins deserve, and yourself, Dr. Bergwald. Amen, Father. <clears throat> so, uh, you, you, things are busy for you, huh? Just yes, quick, the, uh, catch up. the tidal, tidal wave is crashing ashore here at uh, Brookings at SDSU with uh, incoming students. We have a lot of uh, uh, student leaders in town getting some preparation, things going, and it's just, it's, it's kind of a great time of year in that way. It's a tiring time of year. Oh. I can but imagine. it's uh, it's a great time of year. Good, good. But by the way, I believe the term is tsunami. Just just to be clear for the. Uh, well, I was trying to avoid tsunami because uh, that is a uh, natural disaster that has hurt uh, millions and harmed them. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, so Are you laughing at my sensitivity. Well, no. That's um, between the pastor's heart. And just a theologian's heart. Wow. And next we'll be getting our standard Dr. Bergwald doesn't know scripture riff in as well. So moving along before Father Andrew. Um, you can't rush things. Next comment. Uh, I, 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 Father, I, I, well, I proposed to Father. <laughs> Father, uh, I have something to talk about. Uh, yeah, no, obviously, I proposed this to Father before we went on the air. Um, one of the objections, or not necessarily object, it is an objection, but sometimes just a question that um, that, that the people have um, about it's not just about the Catholic Church, but the Catholic Church is often the recipient of the question. Beautiful churches, churches that are innate, um, that uh, on in, in our day and age, millions and millions and millions are spent to make them beautiful, and sometimes people ask, you know. If you look at Jesus said about the poor and so on, wouldn't we be better to take that money and instead of putting it into a building, wouldn't it be better to to spend that money on the poor? And I, I even I made it more pointed. Sometimes it's asked very pointedly, uh, but sometimes again people do just want to. You know, boy, it seems. I mean, yeah, it's it's a beautiful church, but but couldn't that money have been spent to, to for the, the, the those in need? Um, and so I thought that's a question that's, and this question was raised recently in a, in a letter that we received here at the diocesan offices. So I thought it'd be maybe worth um, taking our time to discuss. Of course, in our case, we, we do have our beautiful um, cathedral um, right next door to, to our office building here. We're just re newly restored and renovated and opened last summer. Um, Father, my, my my mom was in town last week, and she hadn't seen it since it was reopened. And, and she went over and took a look and, and commented um, on how beautiful it is. And I I've said this before too. When I um when I came here ten years ago to apply for, and then when I when I um, accepted the position of diocesan director of adult faith formation, I was struck um, by 
but this is a, a, in terms of population our diocese is smaller you know it's a rural diocese but we have an impressive cathedral in my opinion very much so yeah, yeah. i agree with you there so so anyway so you know that's a question that you know again when people go i've honestly i've never heard somebody who's gone into um our our cathedral but I, i'm guessing some i i do know when i lived in rome my people would go into saint peter's and somehow um were were not overcome by the beauty of 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 the basilica and, and, and asked that question well couldn't this money have been better spent on it and so on so father what do you th what, when you hear that, how do you respond? Well, I think first it's a, it's a genuine question, you know, quite often, and, and from a genuine concern, and from a real uh, a desire to love the poor. And so I think um, it's always a question to be respected. Uh, right. You know, I, I disagree with kind of the implication of that question. Um, and uh, And so I think the thing to prove is that uh, and to show uh, show the truth of the matter that um, this does aid the poor in this way, and a couple other things that we'll talk about. I think just to meet that sort of question with respect and with love. Hmm. I, yeah, I completely agree. As I said, I mean, sometimes it is used sort of as a bludgeon to beat us with, but oftentimes it it is met, uh, it is posed for that that reason, out of a genuine concern for the poor and what can we do um, to to better serve those and help those who are in legitimate need. Right. Um, I, I do think, though, um, that there are a number of responses. As you said, you disagree with the question. I do as well. And I think there are a number of responses um, that we've both talked about previously, a uh, number of responses that can be made. And one of the things that, you know, when I, the, one of the first things that come to my mind, particularly as Americans, we have enough money. I mean, there's more than enough money um, on the part uh, in the pockets of Catholics in this country to build beautiful churches and take care, I think, of of the basic needs of all of the uh, of of the hungry, the homeless, and so on. Um, we just choose to spend our money elsewhere, and I mean that in 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 a, in a bad way. I mean, and I mean that myself as well. I mean, do I need to? buy the junk food that I buy at the grocery store? Couldn't I spend, couldn't I spend that money better um, by, by giving it to the poor instead? I certainly don't need um, chips and candy and so on. Um, I, there's, the, the, the point is at the individual level and therefore at the, the larger level, we have, I think, more than enough money to build beautiful churches for God um, and also take care of the needs of the poor. What do you think? Uh, I, I think... Uh... I think you're right on with that. I think it's a question of uh, the use and how it in inspires things as well. I think uh, maybe in the American Catholic imagination, and there's this notion of, of a zero-sum game, in a sense, with, uh, with charitable funds. And so there's almost, only so much charitable money out there. And so if we spend it in this slot, it's not going to go to that slot. Or if I've got this charitable effort I'm doing and someone else comes in with the charitable effort, they're going to take away from my effort. And the, tr and the truth of the matter is that that's not the case. It's never the case in that regard. Um, and I, I was just uh, actually doing some development work for the Newman Center, speaking with uh, people from the Catholic Foundation for Eastern South Dakota. And their testimony, their witness of what they see is that when they get people involved uh, in something, 
in the life of the church. You know, whether it's beautification of the cathedral, whether it's Catholic family services, whether it's a seminary education fund, whether it's support for missions on the reservation, whatever it is, whenever someone gets involved with something, it always increases. It always increases their larger involvement with, with the church. Uh, if only you could see expansive hand gestures, dear listeners. Um, and, and, and so I think to open our imaginations to that reality, I think that we can look at that maybe by analogy a little bit, but does that kind of basic principle seem believable? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think you're, you're right on with that, that, um, that, that whole both and thing that we can do both things. And it's not, as you said, it's not a zero sum game because there's more than enough money. The problem is, I, I think, um, we, well, I've only got this much for, uh, broadly speaking, religious purposes, and I can't touch anything else because this is the religious money. So all of this has to go one place and I can't take anything from anywhere else. Sometimes I get to, and this is to me, sometimes, you know, oftentimes the question is asked in good faith. I have uh, personally been asked that question and I don't think it was asked in good faith. Um, and, and my response, uh, uh, what question is that? Uh, couldn't that, should that church, shouldn't that money be better spent on the poor? In other words, oh. it was being used. It was not. A, it was not a sincere question. It was a okay. statement ending with a question mark. Um, and my response was actually, I didn't make the response, but the response I wanted to make was, "How much money do you give to the poor?" Well, or I think it's a, a, a response would be, you know, if I can reference to St. Joseph's Cathedral, show me that it's not spent on the poor. Right. I mean, because and, and any of the people that work with the poor, um, well, I, I'm going to go back actually for a moment before we get into this, because uh, I did want to say just on that notion of getting some people involved with one thing can lead to a greater involvement in the life of the church in general. And But we understand that from any walk of human life or any human activity that, uh, you know, um, for any human relationship, you just put it on that level, you know, if... Uh, you saw a met a woman and you were convinced that you're supposed to marry her, you know, really wouldn't be all the good. Just come straight and say, Hey, you should marry me, you know, or ladies do that to a guy. Right. Yep. Yep. So, you know, you have to, you, you woo the men, you get involved with one thing, then another thing, then another thing. And it's the same way in the life of the church that you, uh, you get involved, you know, you get involved with one thing and it leads to a greater involvement, God willing, and it keeps building up. And that's the job of a good pastor and those involved so that those who are involved with uh, loving, serving the poor are also involved with beautifying the mass and the liturgy uh, and also involved in teaching the faith. And those who are involved in teaching the faith are also involved with the beauty of the mass and the liturgy, involved with service to the poor, widows, um, uh, those who are mourning, any of those things like that. And so that there's always that... That, that cross uh, pollination, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, but let's go. Um, you know, your point. You said you know uh, someone asked you insincerely. You know the uh, the statement that happens to have a question mark. You know that money would be better spent on the poor. You know a good response would be tell me how it wasn't spent on the poor. Right. Uh, and that those who work with the poor, those who you know. Uh, Famously, with the poor, they talk about how the poor need more than just food. They need to be loved. Yep. Yep. Well, I think, okay, so if you said, show me how it wasn't spent, the, the obvious response to that, though, is, well, 
millions and millions and millions of dollars were spent on the cathedral. It could have spent on, but that money could have been spent on the poor. That's how it wasn't spent on the poor. Duh. But then I would say, but the poor used it all the time. The poor are inspired by it. Those priests who have served, and maybe those parishioners of the cathedral community know that it serves as, as Bishop Swain called it, a beacon of hope in the city of Sioux Falls, mounted on top of the hill, being seen downtown where many of the, in our own community, where many of the transient live, and they look upon this, see it as a place of hope and refuge and connection. You know, it, it draws them to them. It draws them out of, uh, oftentimes, that dangerous self-imposed solitude or isolation uh, that the poor uh, can, can fall under. You know, I think it, uh, and this goes back to what you're saying, the poor need love. And so if you, if you look at what those, the, what, the, what the poor themselves say and, and what, what those who have worked, spent their lives working the poor say, the poor, is, the, the poor want and need that beauty just as much as we do. I think, I think what's, what the question, when it's posed in sincerely, what it's indicative of is a, a materialist mindset. Uh, a mentality that says that the most important things are material. And certainly material things are important. I mean, food, shelter, clothing, there's no doubt that that's important. At the same time, that's not, those aren't the only things that are important. And it's not as if you can enjoy the, the, the things of beauty, spiritual realities, um, only once your basic needs have been taken care of. I mean, if you, one of the things that fascinates me is the fact that um, surveys and polls and sociological studies show that many, the populations of many poorer countries are happier than Americans. Than Americans. Yes. <laughs> and how, tell me, how is that possible? It's infinitesimal compared to ours. Right, Exactly. Why? Because they recognize something that we say we know, but do we live it? They recognize that um, money can't buy me love or happiness or joy. So anyway, end of minor rant. I, it, well, no, I think that's a very good point to make, though. Um, and now, of course, this is not to excuse uh, those who ignore the poor, right? Right. It's not to absolutely those who ignore the poor, but at the same time, you know, again, the church is the greatest uh, uh, care uh, has the greatest care for the poor of any uh, human organization in the world. Right. There's no there's no single organization institution that does as much for the poor as we do. Um. Yeah, You know, I was just, uh, the USCCB just put out on their Twitter account, follow me at twitter.com slash Father Andrew. Um, <laughs> You're listening to Ignition, a podcast for the new evangelization. Well, we're doing this sort of, you know, uh, a quasi-professional thing there. I'll, I'll throw in. No, the, we're from our sponsors. <laughs> twitter.com slash F-A-T-H-E-R-A-N-D-R-A-W. That's an epic Twitter handle. Though. Epic. Epic. So on the USCCB blog, the blog of the United Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, they point out to you that uh, $23 billion a year is spent on the education of young people by the Catholic Church. $23 billion per year is spent on the education of the young by the Catholic Church. And most often that includes uh, the poor. Right. 
Right. You know, over I was talking with uh, a priest of our diocese the other day about uh, nursing homes and how it's only the Catholic and maybe other nonprofit nursing homes that will take patients that are on what's called Title uh, Title Nineteen, I believe. Okay. Um, which is the which is where you run out of personal funds, um, but the state will pay for your nursing home costs up to a certain amount. And it usually costs a nursing home money to do that. And one nursing home administrator uh, was quoted by in this conversation as saying that they'd you know, almost rather have an open bedroom with no one in it than being have someone in it be on Title 19. Mm-hmm. But the private nursing homes, the for-profit ones, won't take those clients. Mm-hmm. And so it's the Catholic, it's the religious ones that are taking those people and serving them, uh, and sometimes they're even, even their own families don't want to. Right. Yep. So the things that you don't know about that are being done all the time just as a regular operation. Exactly. Yeah. You know, another point, Father, that I think is worth making, and I know this this, this might surprise and even shock you, but I'm, I'm going to refer here to the Bible. Um, <laughs> yes, I know. Um, I, I think if, if we look at, uh, if, if we're talking to somebody, whether it's a Catholic or, or, or somebody else who accepts the Bible to some degree, at least, um, we might point out the biblical precedent for our approach, so to speak, um, of building beautiful churches, because in the Old Testament, God commanded Moses to build a very ornate tabernacle. Um, and then, and then centuries later, Solomon took that to another level um, with God's approval and blessing and built an incredibly beautiful and expensive uh, temple um, for God, for the people to come and, and, and praise and pray to God uh, within it. At the same time, God was also very clear with the Israelites that they were to take care of the, the poor and others in need amongst them in their midst. So, again, it's, it's the, the both. And the Israelites, I'm pretty sure America is richer than the Israelites, even uh, in, in uh, inflation adjusted dollars. Uh, if the Israelites could do it, so can we. Um, and this just, and the New Testament, we see the same thing. Um, Jesus does not command that the temple be torn down and the money uh, be, be taken and given to the poor. He, he loved the temple. He weeped over the destruction of Jerusalem, including the temple that was to come um, uh, decades uh, after his death. So if, if, if this is somebody who accepts the Bible, we might point out just that, that within Scripture, we're, we're commanded to do both, build beautiful houses of worship and take care of the poor. Um, and, and the implication is obviously that we are able to do both. Did I cover? Was that was that okay? Is that all right that I covered a scriptural topic? Or, no, or, I think that um, was great. Okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing too, the other thing that we haven't really discussed that I that I had thought of as well. Um, somebody said you can tell what a society values by which buildings are the most beautiful. You know, I remember the the the, um, the elementary school that I attended, which was torn down. Uh, not while I was in it, but but um, a few years afterward, was a very beautiful in many ways. A very you know it was very ornate and so on. Um, 
but if you look around these days, one of the, the most the most ornate buildings in our culture tend to be banks and sports stadiums and sports stadiums. So what does that tell you? I mean, if, if we love God above all things, it, it's not, it's okay. It's, it's certainly true because I think we haven't talked about this either. Another objection that will be made to those who are literally objecting um, to our practice of building beautiful churches is that God doesn't need a beautiful church. And strictly speaking, that's certainly true. God doesn't need anything we offer him. Um, but we offer him this beautiful church because we love him. You know, did my wife have to spend I think hundreds of dollars on my gold wedding band and vice versa that I have to spend hundreds. Of, couldn't we have taken the money that we spent on our wedding rings and given that to the poor? Sure. But we love one another deeply. And so, and we, and we, we, that, that's reflected in this little token in a, in a literal sense. Um, and how much more so with the one who creates us, who sustains us in being, who died for us and who wants to share his life with us. Ought we not build a beautiful, beautiful buildings for him to show him how much we love him and out of gratitude for the many gifts and blessings that he pours out upon us. Very much so. It's, it's, it's a matter of that. And that's also becomes the idea of justice um, that we, that it's, it is a justice to God uh, to offer him what is due, justice being, and just the same way that we are to offer to the poor what we are due, that further illustrates this notion that if we increase this idea of divine justice, justice owed towards God, it will increase in the hearts of those who participate in that way. It will teach them about justice to their fellow man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it fl- just flows from the top down how we... Uh, the way we treat God tends to have an impact on how we treat one another. Well, you know, it, it, um, it makes me think of uh, the line from First John, uh, I don't know, it's chapter three or chapter four, where it says, "How can you say you love God who you do not see when you do when you do not love your neighbor whom you do see?" Right. Right. And so, mm-hmm. it's a good reminder for us in that sense of uh, of that love and reverence that we're supposed to show. But it's not an either or, it's a both and. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, anything else on this, Father, that you think is worth pointing out? Any other responses to this question or objection that are worth making? Not that time, I don't think. I think um, just, uh, uh, again, just to encourage those people, too, that might feel maybe disheartened or discouraged what they see is, to talk, you know, with, uh, with Father Tom Fitzpatrick, the rector of the cathedral, or talk, you know, at your own parish with your own priest about these things. And and also just try to imagine in those ways some of these answers, too. Don't just, because they're not your answers, uh, disperse them outright or dismiss them outright, I should say. But to just kind of you try to use that imagination for them to think about how a beautiful building uh, might be ennobling to the poor and also uh, then... Uh, energizing and motivating for those uh, who have the capacity to care for the poor. Absolutely. And also there's an article that I, I'd recommend to people too. If you, if you uh, do an internet search, Google or whatever other search engine you use for why not beautiful churches. That's the title of the article. Why not beautiful churches. And the author is Elizabeth Scalia, S C A L I A S C A L I A. Um, she wrote it back uh, early July this year. 
and and she makes a number of good points things that we've touched on but some other things as well um and and uh people might find um if if they have this question themselves you might find some some other you will find some other arguments there some other points made there but if you are trying to talk to others about this the same is also true so uh do check that out so that's a great resource i remember reading uh through that article uh, so it'll be a good a good resource great all right well father thanks uh father thank you again for putting up with me and being here with me for um ignition i suffered so much uh, very good all right we will be back next week with the episode until then god bless thanks for listening to this episode of ignition if you have any questions comments or ideas for future topics you can email me at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org that's c-b-u-r-g-w-a-l-d at sfcatholic.org again thanks for listening